Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. This is going to be a shortened edition for the holiday weekend for celebrating Easter. This is actually being recorded on Monday, Thursday, April 6, 2023. Markets are closed tomorrow. S&P 500 currently sitting at 4,100. I'm David Zarling. I'm here with Ian Three Day Weekend McMillan. Some interesting information this week, whether it's stocks, bonds, maybe some commodities. We all know who's there's favorites out there. Where would you like to start? Yeah, so, you know, I guess if we start in commodities, big news on Sunday night, I don't know. Someone did something and it caused oil to jump up a bunch. A lot of the OPEC countries surprised production cuts. Whether they're surprised or not, I'll let someone else figure that out. But oil did gap up on yeah, that. Yeah, we had broken down below 73. And it, you know, currently sitting around... Eighty dollars a barrel using light crude. You know, sugar, sugar's still very strong. The commodities complex. Yeah, sugar, and you know, I think it's interesting. Kevin highlighted this week too. It, there seems to be a sweet tooth out there. Sugar is going out at new highs, and so are things like Mondelez and Hershey. Cocoa going out to new. Well, cocoa futures right there. So it's it's an interesting close uh, to multi-year s- highs. Sweet tooth scenario. Nobody nobody covered that. Previously, many people focused on oil. Kevin and I were worried about breakfast a month ago. Oh, just because of the different. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You're talking about with eggs and things like that? Beyond that. Okay. Cattle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cattle has been running. Commodities overall, you know, if we use something like GCC, which is more of a equal weighted measurement for commodities still in a downtrend but if we look at things like gold that's at an interesting place at highs that it's bumped up against back in 2022 and back in 2020 and so we're back at an important 188 level on something like gld a lot of talk about gold oh yep. my god yeah, my mom texted me about it my mom sent me a chart yeah, she sent you one. Yeah, she sent me a chart. Do you know gold's over two thousand dollars? We'll there see. We'll see if it pans out. Right. It needs to clear these previous highs that go Dollar back to twenty twenty. Dollar weakness has helped. And really, when we look at gold and other currencies, it has done well. And this is a nice consolidation, a nice wide range that goes back all the way to twenty twenty and is sitting and wraps around the prior highs back in 2011. So it's an important level. And if we're clearing... Silver, Silver looks good. Yep. Silver looks good, or and it's clearing important levels. Got above these to year, you know, year-to-date highs. Got above these 2022, uh, I guess not 2022 highs, Q4 2022 highs. And it's happening in an environment where silver is outpacing gold. And that's a characteristic you want to see for precious metals. If you're going to see precious metals do well, typically, not always, but typically it's an environment where silver is outpacing gold. 
You know what's interesting now? Look at silver miners versus gold miners. Okay. Are you using SIL versus GDX? Yeah, you yeah. can do that one. That's actually at a really important level. Yeah, that. Wouldn't yeah, you expect silver miners to be doing better than gold miners, given the hoopla and precious metals the last week? No, that's a good point. Typical thing, and again, markets aren't typical, but one thing that you see consistently is you see in strong precious metal environments, silver outpaced gold, but also to your point, silver miners outpacing gold miners. And I would even make the argument that it's nice to see the miner moving faster than the metal. So GDX versus GDL, so gold miners versus gold, or silver versus silver miners. And those have held up or consolidated and moved to the upside, but your point is valid. You do typically see silver miners outpacing gold miners, and that's at a really important level right now in that relationship. It's a good eye. Yes. You mentioned the dollar. Close to 101. Still below 104, still below 103. 20, March 2020 highs at 103, but not year-to-date lows. Close. Yep, it's right there. Important level. A steady downtrend for a month since early March. It's really interesting because the dollar narrative right now is you've got people like, there's nothing wrong with these people, by the way. You know, it's okay if you watch them, but like a Tucker Carlson or a CNBC, uh, like a Jim Cramer, or even like a zero hedge that's talking about a dollar collapse or the loss of the dollars, the reserve currency. It's really interesting that that conversation is happening at this level. It would be surprising to see cover. that. It's a magazine cover. We need a magazine cover to oh, turn yeah. it around. Yeah, it might. Who knows? Look for your barons or your economist, um, Forbes, you name it, to highlight the future dollar collapse. And I don't want to make light of it, but the idea that the the majority of the media is talking about it. Because remember, they trotted out all the Bitcoin experts right at the top of Bitcoin dating back in time. And they were all over the media cycle. And here we're talking about the potential collapse of the dollar all over the media. I'm not here to say what happens next, but I'm here to say typically human beings can get on the wrong side of the boat too far, especially with a media narrative. What and about Bitcoin? Anything going on there? Uh, you know, still sitting at horizontal levels that are important. I know we've talked about that 30,000 level coin and it's currently sitting there right now. From a weekly standpoint, if we close like this, we'd be recording three straight dojis. Yeah. Right after pretty strong week, let's call it four weeks ago. And these dojis are happening right near what could turn into resistance. So when you think about a process, one of the questions you always have to ask yourself is this provide the risk reward scenario that you're looking for? And when you look at Bitcoin, the move it's made and the dojis it's recording right against 30,000, is this a place that you get long? I don't think you have to press the envelope here. I think you can wait for supply and demand play out and wait for it to clear that 30,000 level. Same thing with gold in that 2,000, 2,100 level. You can use that level to manage risk with, wait for it to play out and get above there. No problem with that. Gold is sitting right at its weekly, from a future standpoint, right at its highest weekly close. That's from August of 2020. So we'll see how that plays right out. There. Yeah, Bitcoin with some interesting action consolidating here below, we'll call it 29,000. 
Uh, I think that coincides pretty nicely with what we saw back in last summer, May, and the first part of June. Also a consolidation, that time on top of 29,000. Just some interesting polarity there. Clearly a big spot. It is Clearly a big spot. Clearly an important spot. Lots of human behavior going on. That's the importance of tracking price. It's just identifying these important inflection points or areas of polarity. We call them areas of interest. It's just, to your point, where buyers and sellers have interacted in the past, they're important to pay attention to. It's very similar, Ian, to the 4,100 level that we're at on the S&P 500. It's the top of the range that goes back to May 2022. How about that? It's an area that's worth paying attention to because of the numerous times sellers have shown up at that spot in the past. And that doesn't mean they show up here again. In fact, that's the type of price behavior continually pushing against that level that chews up supply and eats through supply to allow for demand to move stocks higher. To be determined if that happens, because if we get a price reaction and we're moving back below prior levels of where buyers had show up before, let's call it the 3800, 3850 level, that means sellers have control. We're back in the middle of the range. And if we're back below a 200-day moving average, caution is warranted. And you just take as the data comes in. But the great news is we do have a range defined now. You don't know in May 2022 that there's going to be a range. But now we have a range defined, a trendlessness that's defined. You can use that to manage risk with. Agree. When we look at small caps, however, they're near the bottom of their range. So here we have a juxtaposition of larger capitalized areas up against S&P 500, up against the top part of the range, whereas small caps are at the bottom of the range. Yeah, May 22 lows. When you look at it from a relationship standpoint, looking at small caps versus S&P 500, you are testing COVID lows. So if you think about that, the lows that we saw in that relationship that go back to COVID early part of 2020, we are back to those levels. Really important. It's really important for small caps to hold here. I think a lot of that's, we could make the argument related to financials. We've talked about that $30 level. And so far, XLF has held that level, although there was some weakness in KRE that are we just filling a gap that goes back to October 2020 and we stabilize here and move higher? Could be. Could be. Could be determined. October 2020. Given up two and a half years of progress. In a month. Yep. And it was markets. It is markets, fat tails. There's a 10 day period in March that banks have their fastest move to the downside that we haven't seen in a decade. Happens. That's markets, and markets have fat tails. And so it's kind of like weather. There's plenty of times where there's crazy weather. I know it wasn't too long ago here in Wisconsin, we had thunder snow where it was thundering while it was snowing. It's a little rare, but it happens. What about internationally, Ian? What are we seeing internationally worth highlighting? I think Europe still looks pretty good. Close to, I guess, if we closed right now, we would get a you know weekly year-to-date highs out of Europe. If you're using something like VGK, yeah. lots of things underneath the surface, I think, look pretty strong out of Europe. Spain, Portugal... Switzerland's been strong uh, for a while. Denmark has been strong. 
you know, UK. Can't believe I'm saying that, but the FTSE British stocks have been. I mean, pretty. You look at EWU again. I know this is priced in dollars, but on that matters. Another area that's going out to new highs, year-to-date highs right now. I think it's perfectly fine to talk about things that are, whether you have them priced in dollars or you have that dollar hedged out. I think that's totally fair game to talk about. You know, whether we're talking about Japan, Europe, or anything like that. You know, the FTSE itself, looking at the actual index, has a bit of work to do. Had a great breakout back in, of course, February, and that's kind of failed. But, again, priced in dollars, we use some of these ETFs, EWU, EWP, EWL, PGAL, certainly healthy France. France looks has looked pretty good. I haven't looked at Germany in a couple days. Yeah, EWG, another area that those type of scenarios where if if Europe is holding up, that's not necessarily a risk off scenario. It's also interesting to see emerging markets somewhat hold up over the past month or so. Mm-hmm. And dollar weakness will help that or, you know, more sensitive. Mexico's uh, held up. So if these consolidations can hold and move to the upside, that could be coinciding with uh, something like the S and P clearing 4180. And that would be important to see. And you do have a dynamic of large versus small. That's still in play. You have the NASDAQ 100 that's up against its value weighted average price since the all time highs. And the reason why that's notable is that's the average price that's been paid over that time frame. And if you can get above that, that would be important. XLK has already done it. XLK representing more a fuller picture of technology, not just the large cap names in something like the NASDAQ 100. Semiconductors have cleared their volume weighted average price from all time highs. Those are two risk on areas. Does the rest of the market follow? Whereas you have... On the flip side, S&P below its, and you have small caps well below. In fact, small caps are below even their volume-weighted average price from the COVID lows and each of their respective lows going back October and June of last year. Golly, rough. Yeah, that's a little bit of dispersion between large and small. And that individual names for sure. Right. That narrows the bucket a little bit currently. And now we want to see the larger cap names hold up. They've had quite a move in a short amount of time. Can they digest that move while the rest of the market broadens out? That would be the most bullish scenario and likely lead some of these index indexes higher. It's to be determined. We've seen some weakness in economic sensitive areas like small cap industrials this week. And there is still columns that can be, or check boxes for the bulls and check boxes for the bears that can be checked. I think we should add bonds in there as a discussion point using something like TLT flirting with that 108, 109 level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we look at yields overall and with the understanding that there's many times where the short end, so like your two-year yield, break its important levels before seven to 10-year yield, and that will happen before your 30-year yield, 
Yeah, IEF is already broken out before TLT. Yeah, good point. So IEF is above the $100 level. That's an important level. So are we going to see strength out of bonds going forward from here and weakness in yields, which would obviously beat the Federal Reserve to the punch because, after all, it's the credit markets that set the rate, not the Fed. No one likes to hear that. That's not very sexy, but it's the way it is. Now, we wanted to keep this short, still provide some highlights for our listeners. Any other items you wanted to highlight before we sign off? You know, enjoy the Super Bowl for Christians known as the resurrection on Easter this weekend. No, I think, you know, nothing has changed a lot in the last four days in regards to equities and where we stand. Still pretty bleak participation picture out there. So again, until we get over 41.80, we got up there and I think tried it once this week. I've kind of sold off. Oh, we didn't quite get there, did we? Up in the 41.30s on. If this is the level where you're going to see breath broaden out, it would make sense for it to happen right here going forward, right? With Mm -hmm. IWM against these lows that go back all the way the last year, you had some washout levels in some of the bullish percent measurements and you have S&P sitting right there. And you look at some of the relationships like such as QQQ versus IWM, or you look at, you know, QQQ versus S&P, you've had a move, you're into these prior horizontal levels this is where you could see rotation back into small, which would broaden out participation and move things higher from here. You could see that as a potential, but in the end, you have to see those levels cleared. You have to see IWM stay above 170. You have to see XLF stay above 30, and you have to see S&P clear 4180. Those are to be determined, to your point. Not a lot there between last week and this week as far as that information goes. We continue to see those areas hold both from the the supply side and the demand side. And we'll see where this plays out in the weeks and months ahead. And we'll be back next week. We appreciate you guys listening. Please share this. Give us a high ranking. We really appreciate it. It helps us get the word out. And to all of you out there, have a wonderful three-day weekend. And enjoy your Easter if you celebrate it. Have a great weekend, everyone. 